Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Thanks so much, as always, for checking up the GM Shuffle. And thanks to all of you. Last week's episode, there wasn't a whole lot of football talk, but all of you loved the Sopranos conversation as Mike and I ranked the greatest episodes of all time. So we'll continue that theme next week. We're going to do top five mob movies. So go ahead and tweet us right now, M. Lombardi NFL, Adnan Esferik, as the topics of the top five mob movies other than The Godfather. Having said that, we got a ton of actual NFL content to get into. And Mike, this is a big one. Jets All-Pro Safety Jamal Adams officially requesting a trade. This guy's a two-time Pro Bowl safety, 2019 first-team All-Pro. He says, you know what? I want out of the Big Apple. I'm tired of the Jets. He's got two years left in his rookie deal after the Jets picked up his fifth-year option in April. You want a little background? He came out of LSU, 273 tackles since being drafted sixth overall in 2017. There's two parts to this, of course, Mike. One, do the Jets say, okay, fine. Do they blink and say, okay, we'll trade you? Or do they hang on to him for a little while longer? Bottom line is this, Eagles would be a great fit. Think of their secondary, how brutal it was a year ago. You get Darius Slay at corner, you get Jamal Adams at safety, that would be huge for Philly. Yeah, it'd be great if you could get him on the discount rack. But the problem is, here's the issue with Jamal Adams. First, you know, you're not going to be able to force somebody through the media to make a trade. You're just not going to be able to do that. As a general manager, somebody who's been in that chair before, you know, the last thing you want is to have somebody basically try to tell you what to do by using the media. I got two years on a contract. George Young, the former general manager of the New York Giants, used to say, football players play football. So if he wants to play football, he's got to play for the Jets. So you say, well, he's not going to be happy. Well, shit, I ain't happy either. <laughs> you know, no one, who's happy, right? Like, who's happy? Like, nobody's happy. Like, my job isn't to make him happy. My job is to give him the form to be a good player. And, and so that's one. Two, like, at some point, you got to trade a, a significant asset to get him. And then you're going to have to pay Jamal Adams what he thinks he's worth, 14, 15 million a year. And then when you want to cover a receiver out of the backfield, you're not going to ask Jamal Adams to do that. So, like, tell me how this all makes sense. I mean, it makes sense for the media because it generates positive stories all the time for the Post, the Daily News, the, all the New York tabloids, the North Star Ledger, all that. But the reality of it is, is like if I'm Joe Douglas, I just sit there, look, Jamal, do whatever you want to do. Reporting dates this day. We expect you to be here. If not, here's the fine schedule. And we'll go from there. Yeah, the story from Ian Rappaport was that it was unlikely the organization would comply with his demands for an extension or look to trade him in the near future. Before we get to what the Jets to do, because to your point is, like, why do we have to trade this guy? We're not going to get bent over by him. We're not over a barrel yet. There's no impetus for it. Aside from the fact he's unhappy. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. Go back a step. How good is he? Do you think he is an elite safety right now, two years into his career so far? I mean, look, I don't care what pro football focus grades him in coverage. I know this. When teams go to play the Jets, they're trying to figure out a way to keep him out of the box, which is where he's really magnificent. He's very good on the first and second level. He can attack the pocket. He can create havoc. How many times has he been the free blitzer? Well, when he's the free blitzer, that's on Greg Williams. That ain't on Jamal Adams. That's on Greg Williams. The Greg Williams designed the scheme to make him the free blitzer. But in terms of coverage, he's going to go cover Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield? No. When they go to three receiver sets, is he going to cover the slot receiver? No. Could they formation him off the field? Yeah, they could. Do you want him at the high safety point? No, not really. 
Not really. You want him down in the box where his big body is, where he can play almost like a will linebacker and be a force. And at some point, you you could pay for that, but you're overpaying. If you pay $10 million a year, you get a really good player, but you're overpaying for it. And and the and what I wrote about in Gridiron Genius, I think holds up today. He's a really good player in a role. But the league is mandating against what he brings to the table the most, which is physicality, which is toughness, which is intimidation across the middle. Let's make no mistake about this. This is not Ronnie Lott. This is not Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott played corner for the 49ers. This is a guy who could be Ronnie Lott if he played in that generation as a safety, but he doesn't have the cover skills. So if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm sitting there saying, okay, fine. You want to act like this? Go ahead. If you're worth so much, then somebody's going to have to pay me for your services. See, that's the key, right? When you say to me, you're worth 15, 16 million a year, and I say, well, go get a trade. And the trade comes back, somebody wants to give you you know, a mid-round pick or a late one or something like that. Well, how does that justify your demands? You become happy. I become miserable. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And the rumors are that, listen, the Cowboys could be a good fit for him. They've had a great offseason. But in your words, he's a very good player, but he's limited. Speaking of the Cowboys, though, Dak Prescott signing his franchise tender. He's under contract for at least the duration of the 2010 season. Fifth-year quarterback. He was tagged all the way back in March. Everybody knows the headlines. Oh, Dak wants $40 million a year, blah, blah, blah. Well, the bottom line is this. $31.4 million he's getting because he gets that tag. The contract saga is over at least temporarily. Before we get into how this impacts other quarterbacks, Mike, Obviously, as you said all along, Dak Prescott wasn't going anywhere. Jerry Jones wasn't going to let him go anywhere. Are you at all surprised that it did not get on a long-term deal? Or because of the fact, as you've discussed before, the cap is going to go down, does this make sense for both sides? Hey, let's just franchise you for one year and we'll work on the long-term deal because the cap is going to be adjusted next season. Yeah, and, and I think this, I think what Dak's agent, Todd France, and why they signed it now is basically they're trying to send a message to the Cowboys by saying, look, we're going to sign the tender. We're in no rush to do a deal. You know, we're going to take whatever it takes to get the right deal. And, you know, we'll talk about Chris Sims' rankings later, but there's two guys in Chris Sims' top five, whatever they are in the order, Watson and Mahomes, that are ahead of Dak. And this clearly is what Todd France wants. He wants to be able to see the Watson deal. He wants to see the Mahomes deal before he makes a deal. And for all the people that are talking about getting Jamal Adams to Dallas, I mean, does anybody do mathematics in the media? Does anybody who writes these stories for the agent do any mathematics? Like the cap, the cap is going to go down next year. How in the hell can the Cowboys afford Jamal Adams at 15 a year, Dak Prescott at 40 a year, you know, Amari Cooper, you know, all these players, how can they afford? They can't. It's ridiculous. You can't. You have to give and take in a cap. So like these stories, well, he wants to get traded to Dallas. Oh, sure. You know, as Uncle Judas said, I want to screw Angie Dickinson. Let's see who gets lucky first. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, this story's just come out. It's like, it's like ridiculous. Like, they just, and, and, and all it is is for the poor fans, they're reading this as if it's, they're just, they're so one-sided. It's so one-sided towards the player. Michael Irvin, Dak Prescott, he should get paid for pass play. Michael, have you ever run an NFL, for, have you ever run a business before? Who pays for pass? They're trying to overpay them. They're attempting to overpay them. This is what blows me away. It's there when it comes to it's the same thing with Major League Baseball. You know, it's like one side. Well, they they both fight like cats and dogs anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But the reality of it is, is is tell me when the players are are, are never right in a negotiation. Just pay everybody. Says, just pay the man. When they're not right is two years later when they say, "Why did you pay that guy so much money?" <laughs> 
<laughs> right? <laughs> right. The revisionist history comes in. And that's why other quarterbacks are watching this as well. Because it's very easy to say, hey, Dak's a great quarterback. He deserves the money. Like, I don't think he's great. I think he's a good quarterback. And he's going to get overpaid because of how young he is and the potential of what he can do. And yes, he's had some good seasons. But he's got great weapons around him, whether it's his receivers, his O-line, his running back, etc. Question now becomes, all right, Dak is 31.1, 31.4, excuse me, franchise. What does this mean for Deshaun Watson? What does this mean for Mahomes? All those other quarterbacks as well, right? Because everybody is looking to cash in. But the timing is going to be very interesting. I'm telling you with this cap, as you said before, Mike, the cap could go down 30 to 80 million starting next year. And they're going to have to agree on how much it's going to go down because the option is to spread it out over years. So say this is an 80 million dollar cap reduction this year so the cap has to go so maybe it goes down 20 million next year 20 and goes down 20 million for the next four years that's going to be tough for some of these teams to deal with going to go down so if say it goes down 20 million the eagles are 50 million over for next year now they got to find 70 million they can do it it's not a problem but that's why the eagles haven't acted on larry warford you know it's like i do radio i love i love doing radio in philadelphia so angelo cataldi he's one of the greatest human beings you know he loves to and i love to tease him because i always say to him you know whenever he he wants a player for his for his team the, the the eagles the sixers he wants to give up nothing and then he wants the, the other team to pay most of this. So, so I'm like, sure, the Patriots will trade you Joe Tooney. They'll pay $13 million. It'll cost you a seventh in 2030. Like, no big deal, right? You know, like, it's always one-sided towards the team you want it to go to, which doesn't make any sense. So, like, I, that's why I think the Eagles haven't acted on replacing Brandon Books with the uh, torn Achilles, because I think they're looking at next year saying, where am I? What are we going to do? And speaking of where am I and what are we going to do, consecutive 7-9 and nine campaigns to the Atlanta Falcons. Remember when? Remember when they were on the precipice of winning the Super Bowl? The Falcons and the Patriots come roaring back. Well, now it's been a couple of sub-500 seasons. Tom Dimitrov, the bloom is off of him, the general manager and the coach Dan Quinn, and Dimitrov making it clear it's hardly news about what's happening. He said... Uh, this was the Bird Noise podcast via the Atlanta Journal of Constitution. There are high expectations coming into this season. Everyone knows that. No one is shying away from that, Dan and myself included. Think of this offseason for the Falcons. Tight end Austin Hooper, running back Devontae Freeman, pass rusher Vic Beasley, and the corner Desmond Trufant all gone. They got Todd Gurley in there. Tight end Hayden Hurst, pass rusher Dante Fowler, and A.J. Terrell. He is the first-round cornerback. How can the Falcons get back to being a good team? Because obviously, Mike, we know it's a tough division, especially with the New Orleans Saints expected to be the best in that division. You know, this quote, uh, it just drives me absolutely insane. And if anybody's listening to the pod who works in the league, this is exactly what would have driven Bill Walsh crazy. If Bill Walsh were running the Atlanta Falcons, he would have fired Thomas Dimitrov tomorrow morning. Like, this is exactly what you don't want to do in leadership GM 101. What he just did there is basically say, we got great players. We got a really good team. It's on Dan Quinn to perform. I've done my job. Like, I've done my job. I'm, I'm, my job, I'm great. I'm great at my job. I'm tremendous at my job. In fact, I'm so good at my job, I can get a thousand newspaper reporters to tell you how good I am at my job. Dan, it's up to you to win games. Now, here's a guy that has been able to escape getting fired numerous times, okay? There's been some times when the job came up, when Quinn was there, they, they had the option to replace the front office. Nobody said anything. Quinn said, yes, let's stay. This year, they were put on notice again. They're both on notice. Rich McKay comes back in to basically take over, but there was a part of the season that they were all on trouble. And now he comes out and says, well, you know, 
We got good players. I mean, I wrote this in my book. This is what drove Walsh crazy. Walsh used to paint this scenario, you know, and this is what he hated about personnel people. Bill Walsh hated scouts and he hated scouts for what Thomas Dimitrov just said. He hated scouts because scouts would do this. We got a great team. We got great facilities. Why he and the owner are sipping cocktails over dinner one night. You know, we've got, it's all up on the coach to perform. And if the coach doesn't perform, then it's on him and we'll stay and everybody else gets fired. Like, does this make any sense? Is this really the way you want to start your off season? Is this how you want to start your off season? Seriously. Because you can't keep your mouth shut. <laughs> he might try to couch it, Mike, and say, well, I said Dan and myself included, and I'm not exactly going to be the type to say we have low expectations going into the season. I'm not going to poor mouth my team. But but I understand your point that if you say, yeah, we're good to go, well, you better deliver. Right. I mean, it's easy to say, hey, look, we're, we're a work in progress. I'm hoping we can continue. We were 6-2 and two last year, but we have a lot to do. I mean, you know, Matt Ryan only threw 11 touchdown pa- 10 touchdown passes in the first half last year. He threw 11 in the fourth quarter. We're going to have to improve in a lot of areas and, and, and us be able to do that. They were outscored 73 points in the first half. They ranked 28th. You know, we've got to start faster. I think everybody knows this. I mean, we have a lot of work ahead of us. Why not take the Sleepy Joe approach? You know, we got a lot of work to do. We got to, we got to take this and we got to move forward with it. You know, why, why put the onus on the coaches back? Like, seriously, like, why do that? And you got a chance. I mean, you beat two playoff teams last year, right? Like, it drives me crazy. Like, you can't do nothing. Say nothing. You you know, it's like they did this study in soccer, right? And this is truly what we call the goalkeeper syndrome. So the goalkeeper syndrome is simply this, AD. The goalkeepers in a soccer match, what's the toughest play for the goalkeeper is the penalty shot, right? Because the guy's 36 yards from him. And he's got to handle it, right? So what naturally does the goalkeeper do? Whenever you've watched a soccer match, he either dives left or he dives right. Before the guy kicks the ball, they take a predetermined dive right or left, right? Right. So they did a study. They did a study. They went through almost 400 penalty kicks in professional and championship league soccer. And what they learned was one-third of the kicks went left, one-third of the kicks went right, and one-third of the kicks came center. And what they also learned was you had a 60% chance of stopping the goal if you just stood there flat-footed, stayed right in the middle, did nothing. So when they asked the goalkeepers afterwards, they said, hey, how come, you know, why did you jump right? Why why didn't you just stay in the center? Well, I wanted to show my team I was working. I wanted to show effort. Well, to me, this is exactly what Dimitrov's doing. He wants to show people what he's doing when he could just shut up and say nothing. Like, just say nothing. Like you got, you've done a good job with your team. Let your team speak. Don't let you speak. Don't put the onus on the back. Well, I want to put pressure on the team. I put myself in it. No, no, no. You really didn't put yourself in it because you don't coach the team. You don't coach the team. Just do the goalkeeper thing. Stay right in the middle of the net. Stay right in the middle of the net. You got a 60% chance of stopping a shot if you stay right in the middle of the net. But no, you've got to do something so it makes it look like you're being exerted. You're, you're doing effort. You're being productive. You're showing your teammates you're involved. Right. Or you're being really friendly to the media guy. To me, this is this is really one of the biggest sins of general managing. Like you got to take a back seat to this crap. I love the analogy of the goalkeeper, the great Italian keeper, Gigi Buffon. You always see them diving all over the place, but that's that's fascinating. Just stay put, rely on your athleticism. That's better rather than, it's like the anti-Willie Mays approach, right? Willie Mays made it look easy. These guys, they want their hats flying all over the place. Look how hard I'm working. Ends up not working out well. 
Coming up next, speaking of working, could there be a delay to the 2020 NFL season? Why it could make sense. Plus, Chris Sims' top 40 quarterback rankings for 2020, wildly different from a year ago. We'll dive into it next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, so just a month before players are scheduled to report for training camps, NFL experiencing that increase in cases of the coronavirus. As of Sunday, nearly a third of NFL teams reported at least one positive COVID-19 test. And that's why there's been some conversation, according to Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, about pushing back the start of the season. One executive said via Sports Illustrated, that's the first place you have to start. I'm big on pushing back. If they could do this, Mike, you might go to the start of the season until October. You move the Super Bowl to later in February. This gives you a chance if Major League Baseball comes back July 24th, the NBA comes back July 30th, the NHL comes back in August. You can get a sense of how those teams would go if college football is August and September and allows you to buy a little bit of time. I don't think this is the worst idea in the world. If you learn one thing here from this world in which we're living in, you have to adjust and you have to be flexible. And if it makes more sense to wait a month, perhaps... Although the other side of it to me, I say, well, hang on, isn't the second wave coming? Could that coincide in November and December? I, there's a lot of questions here at play, but at, at, for, at surface value, I will tell you, I don't have an issue if they push back, if they think it makes sense, because it does buy you some time to see how the other leagues operate. Well, I definitely think they have to, you know, the preseason has to be in jeopardy, right? I mean, why, why are we going to waste our time? But I think looking at Australia, you know, and I, I went down and spent time with the Essendon team down there and I had to blast last summer down there being around the AFL and fell in love with the AFL. I really have. And and so they started it. And Essendon had a positive test. And so they had to cancel. They had to postpone one of their matches. They went through all their testing. You know, they've done 13,000 tests and, not, and they didn't have a positive one come back. The guy comes back positive. You know, they test him on Wednesday. He's negative. They test him on Friday. He's positive. They test him again on Monday after they canceled the game and he's negative. So... What I think we're seeing is a lot of different variations of what we're dealing with. And I don't know whether the time is ever going to be right to put your toe in the water. I think you're just going to have to jump in the pool. I think the preseason's in jeopardy. But I think just based on what we're seeing in Australia, 
we're seeing this is that there's going to look. I keep saying to my kids, I keep saying to my wife, we got to we got to get over this this notion that we have this many tests. Like we got to be able to figure out how to solve the problem, or or who's getting cured. But we're the way we're acting in in America today, as if the virus doesn't exist. Like let's be honest. I mean, I'm in Ocean City, New Jersey. The mayor issued a statement yesterday saying he has to cancel the 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 Night in Venice parade and the Fourth of July parades, which are which are classic Ocean City parades, because there's too many people already in the town. The town's packed. It's like mid mid July in the town, and nobody is really. If you walked up on the boardwalk, you would say, "Are we really in a pandemic?" So I don't know how we're ever going to get it perfect. And we do know we have a lot of testing. I think to me, you know, and what Breer's reporting, I'm sure people are saying. But the other thing that bothers me is this is once again the Dunning Kruger effect. There's somebody talking about something they have no business. They even know what they're talking about. It does kind of remind me, it's like, you know, you're white river rafting or like you're in a canoe. You see the rock coming, you're like, get out of the way, get out of the way. And you make a move to avert and there's another one coming there. Like at some point, this is like head-on collision avoidance. Like you you have to meet the battle which is ahead of you and, and you can't avoid it. And it's like, maybe by pushing back, you're trying to escape it a little bit. Again, I think if you push it back a month and it buys you some time and you see what Major League Baseball, the NBA does, you go, okay, hey, we can do some things and learn from them. Absolutely, be adaptable. But again, I'm not a scientist, nor are you, but everyone keeps talking, oh, second wave, second wave. Yeah, going to coincide with the flu. I keep thinking, all right, if you start in September and you play eight weeks and all of a sudden the second wave comes, it would be so disastrous to the league because you imagine the NFL shuts down in November and December, has to pick it up in January. That's terrible. But again, if you start in October, then are you only playing four games before this potential second wave comes? I mean, either way, it kind of feels like you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. And to your point about COVID-19, listen, Guys are going to test positive. All right. I can't tell you, Mike, how many people I'm like, oh my God, have you seen the Phillies test? Five guys tested positive. All oh, the Blue Jays shut down training camp. A guy tested positive. Listen, people are going to test positive. Okay. The more tests that are available, more people will test positive. It's a matter of containing the virus and contact tracing and make sure that it's limited and it doesn't decimate the entire team. When NFL guys are going to report to camp, there's no doubt you're not going to be discussing, hey, did you hear, you know, Jared Goff tested positive or Patrick Holmes tested positive. Okay. That's going to happen. But D Deal with it, you know, right? Handle the situation, quarantine them, and try to hope that you can move on with this because this is our reality for at least the next six months of our lives. I know we are on the slope going down. I'm more worried about deaths. I mean, I, that's what that's what I'm concerned most about because I don't, the way we're behaving, I think we're we're all prone to catch it. Now, they do say, there's a study today in the, in the Wall Street Journal that says that because of the summer heat, in 30 minutes, the virus won't last on on anything. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just a report out there. And then Fauci, my man Fanucci, you know, I want to call him Fanucci from Godfather, <laughs> Don Fanucci. I, I mean, you know, it's like, he's like, well, you can't, you know, it's going to be hard if you don't quarantine. I think it's going to be hard, period. I think it's going to be hard to have a season, period. And I think we're going to have to get over that four guys on the team test positive. Now, what you said is true. How many of those are in contact with them? Because the players don't want to, like the Australian rule football players, they want to be with their families. They don't want to be quarantined. They want to be with their families. They want to play the sport they love. They want to do their thing. They want to make their paycheck. They understand that there's no fans. But this, I, I believe it's the it's the the West Coast team in Perth. So it, Australian rules football, most of the teams are in Melbourne. There's Sydney. There's Queensland. There's a bunch of teams. There's Adelaide, Port Adelaide. There's t- teams in different cities. But Perth, which is the westernmost part of the state, 
which is where that Malaysia airliner was crashed out there. I mean, it's truly, I think if, if, you, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you must be in Perth, right? Because it's, it's way out there. I mean, it's remarkable. Springsteen does two shows in Perth. Could you imagine that? Like, how could a guy from New Jersey be that big in Perth? Seriously, it's remarkable, <laughs> right? But anyway, how do I get off on that subject? I don't know. But every time I hear Perth, Springsteen's one of his best concerts are in Perth. But anyway, so... Like they're gonna have, they're gonna let thirty thousand people in the stands in Perth. Well, that's the thing. If I just said to you right now, hey, what prediction are you most confident? In? Here would be mine. I would be most confident of this: SEC football is going to be played, and there will be fans in the stands. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just telling you right now. If you told me, hey, take a guess, I would bet LSU, Alabama. There's gonna be fans in the stands. At Tiger Stadium, I don't know if there's 100,000. I don't know if there's going to be 50,000 or 30,000. But guess what? There's going to be fans. It is going to be different geographically in this country. And so for the NFL, you're playing the ultimate what-if game. What if one guy tests positive? What if 10 test positive? What if the cases spike in Florida and Texas alone? Like, you've got to have a 1,000 contingencies here because to your point— Dr. Fauci saying bubble for everything. I don't think you can do a bubble for everything. All right. Baseball, they try to do it. The guy said, no, we don't want to do it. And guess what? It would have been Texas, Florida, Arizona, three states that are spiking up right now. So this bubble concept, I mean, I understand it. You and I both know there's going to be NBA guys not going. Trevor Ariza just said, I'm not going. Kyrie Irving saying, I don't want to go. Dwight Howard saying, I don't want to go. So the whole bubble concept, I mean, there's certain players who are not going to opt in anyways. It's going to be very, very challenging. No doubt. And so I'm all for postponing the preseason using that extra month. But I think we have to get into the season as soon as we can, especially with the heat and humidity, if that does benefit. That's where I would be. Neither of us play doctors, but God, we both love Fanucci. Great in the Godfather Part 2. Coming up next, Chris Sims, 2020 Top 40 NFL Quarterback Rankings. You think, generally speaking, you know who the best quarterbacks in football are, right? Well, take a look, and Chris is just one example of how much has changed when it comes to quarterback position from last year to this year. That's next on the GM Shuffle. We always got to talk quarterbacks here when it comes to the National Football League. NBC Sports NFL analyst Chris Sims Released his 2019 quarterback rankings in his podcast, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Now got his top 40 for 2020. And it's amazing when you look at how much changes one year to the next. So I'm just going to give you quickly 2019. Number one was Aaron Rodgers, followed by Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Like at his first thought, he said, well, Cam Newton doesn't have a job right now. Uh, Andrew Luck is obviously out of football, and there's lots of changes all over the place. Carson Wentz, just outside the top 10, he's at number 11. His top 40 for this year, you know, we don't know the exact or the five, but we can guess this, Mike. Mahomes at one, Russell Wilson at two, Aaron Rodgers at three, Lamar Jackson at four, Deshaun Watson at five. Watson was five a year ago. He's five this year as well. Mahomes moves from two to one. Wilson moves from three to two. Of course, here is the big one. Here's the giant big white whale. Lamar Jackson, a season ago, was ranked 30th. 30th, and now he's fourth. Think about what a dramatic increase that young man has taken in terms of being the best in the NFL at the quarterback position. No doubt. And Christopher Sims liked Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was not one of those guys that was talking about Lamar playing wide receiver. And, uh, you know, and I think when you see some of the Mitchell Trubisky was 20 last year, he's 38. You know, uh, look at Nick Foles. He was 16 last year. I think he was over last year. This year, this year Nick Foles is 31. The interesting thing is he's got Cam Newton 8 and 19. He's got Cam Newton 10 and 20. And yet Trubisky and Foles, both in the 30s, have jobs, right? He had Tyrod Taylor 40 last year. He moves him up to 34, 
right? And Cam Newton didn't have a job out there. Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew's at 30. And of course, Mike Lennon's not even on the list. Cam Newton's sitting there at 10. Like to me, this is kind of ridiculous. Andy Dalton's at 27 and he's a backup quarterback. You know, last year, Andy Dalton was 26 and he was a starter. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of play here. I think if I, if, and I think what he did this year, pretty smartly, he moved Kyler Murray up 12 spots. He went from 24 to 12. That was the guy. Now, Ryan Tannehill had the other leap. Ryan Tannehill was, was 33 last year. He's up to 11 this year. So I think as you're looking at this, if you want to play and you want to bet on these teams here, I think what you're looking at is what guy do you think's in the 30s that you think could make the mother may I step forward? Is it Dwayne Haskins? You know, is it Justin Herbert? Is it Taysom Hill? Is it Jameis Winston? I mean, Jameis Winston led the league in passing yards last year, and he's 33. Now, I know he threw 30 interceptions, but he's better to me than some of the guys – that are on the list. I mean, he's to me, I I, I know he's better than Dirk. I if Jameis Winston was on the Bills, I think he would give them a better chance at winning than my man Josh Allen, who can't complete who's very inaccurate with the football. That's just me. I think ja- I would rather have Jameis Winston than than Jared Goff. I'd rather have Jameis Winston than a few of these guys. But and you know me, I mean, who criticized Jameis Winston more than me? Nobody. I mean, I I led the league in it. Yeah. I mean, I led. The, but to me, when you look five thousand yards, you know what people don't give Jameis enough credit for. He got hit a lot, and in Bruce's offense, every quarterback has always thrown a lot of interceptions. I mean, he had an aberration year in terms of his interceptions. It, they were. It was at least one point eight above his typical year. And if you study Bruce's offense, Arians' offense, that the quarterbacks always have a huge spike. And that's part of how you get 5,300 yards passing or 5,000 yards passing. So for me, I, I, I admire Christopher coming up with the list. You know, I didn't think Rodgers was the best quarterback in the league last year, but, he, you know, he moved him down to three. I don't think he's the third best quarterback in the league, even this year. Like, to me, Rodgers doesn't make any throws down the field. Now, people say we don't have enough weapons, but seriously, his dec- he is on a steady decline, you know? And I think the guy who's really undervalued on this list is Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford last year had an incredible, I don't mean a good year. I mean, Matthew Stafford had one of the best seasons in a long, long time by anybody. He was he was a career year. His numbers went through the roof in eight games. In eight games, he threw 19 touchdown passes. The year before, he threw 21 in 16 games. Stafford was having an MVP season last year in every single category. And yet I think he should be I think he should be higher on this list. I really do. That's good. I mean, that's good stuff because you're right. You don't hear much about Stafford because it's a bad team and you get used to pummeling the lines, but those numbers aren't aren't deceiving anybody. You go from 14th a season ago to ninth. Another quarterback who jumped up was Carson Wentz. He went from eleventh to sixth, which is interesting. And it's only because you mentioned Jameis and how much you like to beat him up. How about MVP Mitch? A season ago in Chris Sims' estimation. Mitchell Trubisky was a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. He was 20th. He's now down to 38th. He's now just barely ahead of Dwayne Haskins and Tua Tungavailoa, and he's behind Taysom Hill and Justin Herbert. How about that? I mean, I think I'd put him behind other guys. I mean, look, he moved Stafford up, and I give him credit for that, but I don't get the Carson Wentz move up. Wentz didn't throw the ball down the field. Now, you could say he had no weapons and he couldn't throw the ball outside. That's the same argument you're making for Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, Drew Brees had one weapon. Michael Thomas was great. Brady, you know, he moved Brady down. 
But Wentz with no weapons went up. Brady and Breeze went down. They both went down significantly, 9 to 10 to 15, 16. So for me, you know, I think there's a lot of give and take. As a fan, and you look at this list, you can disagree with him. He put his balls on the line. He makes a statement. He evaluated him. He watched tape on him. I respect that. I don't agree with a lot of them. Like last year, he had Josh Rosen as the 32nd. I, I would have scratched him off my list. I never thought Josh Rosen was, you know, and Colt McCoy was 39. You know, but I, I think that you got to give it. But I, I think this, I think Matthew Stafford, I would look at his over numbers on passing because he was without Jim Bob Cooter. Everybody said he was not going to work out. And with Daryl Bevel, he's really played well last year and they've got skill players, you know, and they add Swift to that skill group. If they can protect a little bit, Matthew Stafford's going to have another great year. Another eye opener, perhaps Baker Mayfield, the season ago, 17th. This year, he's got him at 21. The reason I mentioned eye opener is I feel like to many, Baker Mayfield, I mean, the shine is off. And yet he's got him just outside of top 20 quarterback in the NFL right now. Christopher and I used to go back and forth on Jared Goff. I mean, I've never been a Goff fan, and I think he finally has him right at 24. Can you imagine being 24 and making $35 million a year? <laughs> you're, you're, it, it's, it's inconceivable. Ugh. Right. And I don't agree with them on Daniel Jones at 22. I'm a bigger Darnold fan, but Darnold doesn't protect the football. The guys, I, I think 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, I think they're a little bit jumbled. I would probably rearrange them. Josh Allen would not be that high on my list because he's proven that he can't throw the ball down the field accurately. Like, and that's not going to change. I know he's got a big arm. I know he could throw the ball from here to, to anywhere, but th that's not going to change. But getting back to what really matters most is, is when you look at this list, you know, the quarter, when you have a quarterback who's in that top five, your team's probably, he can carry the team. That's what's going to come down to for Watson and with Houston. He's going to have to carry that team this year. Yeah, and as far as guys who jumped up big, Kyler Murray, season go 24, obviously untested as a rookie. He's now got him at number 12. So Kyler Murray, he's got him on the verge of being a top 10 quarterback in football. So obviously lots of focus there at Arizona, and you got a very offensive-minded coach in Cliff Kingsbury. As we close up shop, a belated happy Father's Day. Uh, I, can, I can't imagine, Mike, how great Father's Day is, especially when you get to be a grandfather as well. You're so proud of your boys and then their boys as well. We're phase two in Jersey. I'm getting all my kids' haircuts. I mean, this is... This is good times right now. How was your Father's Day? My Father's Day was awesome because, you know, you got your two sons with you, and then you got, they have two sons each, and they all get along, and it's just, it's really just a tremendous time. It makes you really feel proud to be a father and, and to really watch your kids grow and enjoy their life, and, you know, it gives you a sense of joy. I know for Millie and I both, it, it's really kind of really neat. It's a little interesting to have four kids under the age of three running around the house. I mean, there's a line in, in one of Alan Jackson songs that says the sound of little feet isn't music and that's the every time I hear them little feet running around upstairs in the house I think of Alan Jackson the sound of little feet isn't music and that's what it is <laughs> I just know Chattahoochee when it comes to Alan Jackson but we're, <laughs> we're covering all the musical influences here <laughs> as always thanks so much to everybody listening to the GM shop we'll be back next week lots more NFL news as always please do follow us not only on Twitter but also Instagram at the GM Shuffle, at M Lombardi NFL. And next week, by the way, along with the football talk, top five mob movies. So start tweeting us right now. Start thinking of what we want to talk about. We'll talk to you next week.